your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On These Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show while you are at it at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating review as well. That truly does help me out quite a bit growing this thing. So that would be much, much appreciated. All right, the Maple Leafs with another Shutout victory against the Edmonton Oilers. 3-0 they defeat Edmonton last night. And to join me to chat about it, we got friend of the show, my main man, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also does some writing for the NHLPA. Dave, what's going on, brother? How'd you enjoy the game last night? Enjoyed it quite well, actually. You know, I know a lot of people were uh, going to bed early because of the late start, but I looked at my phone. It's twelve thirty. That actually isn't bad for a game that late of start to end. So, uh, entertain a very entertaining one, especially when the Leafs come out with the win. That's for sure. Yeah, no, the the, the ten p.m. starts aren't ideal for uh, for our East Coast time zone. But you know what? This one was worth staying up for. I thought it was a a really quality game by the Leafs. Like, it's just, it's not quite what you expected when I think the the year started off. You know, three nothing against the Oilers. Like, that, that, it's not at all what you expect. You expect fireworks. You expect to see, you know, the McDavid Matthews show. I know, obviously, Matthews wasn't in the lineup last night, but, you know, they've done a terrific job really keeping McDavid and Dreisaitl both those lines really at bay and, and haven't been giving them too much. They've kind of been giving them fits. And I think that really it's just been a, a, an overall team defense game. Like everyone's just kind of buying in. I don't know if this is because Matthews is injured. Cause you remember that game earlier in the year when Matthews didn't play either, they came out, they won three, one. So they've really just like, they tighten up the game. Um, without Matthews, whether again, whether or not that's a factor or not, or just kind of his happenstance, I don't know. But they've played exceptionally well, uh, really limiting those those two guys who can be dominant and have been dominant for the past couple of years, and they've done a good job handling them. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right in that without Austin Matthews, the mentality changes a bit for the Leafs because you don't have your top goal scorer. I mean, this team is not short on firepower at all, but you have to also think about the defensive side of the game a little bit more. And, you know, they got, you know, the guy, they, the guys that they bring up to take his spot are going to have to earn their way more ice time. And how are you going to do that? You got to be defensively reliable. You're starting to see with this Leafs team that they're trying, there's, they're really buying into a more structured team style of defense, as you said. Like I, I don't think I've seen this type of cohesiveness from a Leafs team defensively in a really long time. I think credit a lot of credit goes to Shelton Keith for implementing the right structure to play with, especially against Drysaddle and McDavid, uh, McDavid, because those guys did not have much going the last two games, and it's it's a game plan that's worked because. That's pretty much Edmonton's game. If you can stop Drysaddle and McDavid, you're most likely going to win. So how much of that credit? How much of that credit? I mean, Sheldon Keefe obviously deserves, I think, most of the credit for it. Like it's his system, it's his style, it's his game. But I think something that has really helped this team along is the the offseason additions that were made. Like they brought in Wayne Simmons, they brought in Joe Thornton, Zach Bogosian. You know, these guys aren't the superstars that they once used to be. They're also just, you know, not, you know, the top players on this team. But they did something to this team. Like, they've, they've really bought in. And it seems like they've matured a lot. Like, over the offseason, we've seen a big difference in, in, in a buy-in period for Matthews, for Marner, for, you know, guys like – even like Engvall, I thought, played extremely well last night. Uh, you know, him, McKayev, and Hyman were, were buzzing. It's just – you know, I, I think that those guys, that veteran presence really did uh, make an impact on the maturity level of this team. And that was really a big issue that we saw last year. And, and we're not seeing those inconsistencies that we saw 
a season or two seasons ago. Whether or not that's just kind of coinciding with the maturity of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander getting older, you know, like they're now 24 years old. They're no longer 21. So whether or not that's it or it is, you know, it was helped along by bringing in guys like Thornton, guys like Simmons, I don't know. But I also think that uh, Kyle Dubas does deserve a, a lot of credit for the, the way that he's built this team. I think, yes, you can point to uh, a growth in this team that maybe take, I mean, as we, we continually had, had heard, it takes time for young guys to kind of learn their way. But it's not just the additions they made. It's the guys they've brought in that have a proven track record. I know Joe Thornton hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but he came pretty close not too long ago with the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks were continually, uh, you know, one of the top teams in the West, and he was, you know, front and center for that. You know, he knows what it takes for a team to play with the consistency. Um, I think, like, TJ Brody continues to be one of Kyle Dubas' best additions to the blue line because – I, I would watch T.J. Brody in Calgary go up against Connor McDavid, and McDavid would always give them fits. And now, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's figured it out in Toronto. It's, it's actually quite strange uh, seeing it like that. And also, I mean, I was talking with some buddies last night, and, and Zach Bogosian, I mean, I was, I was a little skeptical when the first couple games, it didn't look like he was – it looked like he was trying to find his way, but he, he just, when you got a veteran like that, who's been around for so long, he knows what he needs to do to stay, to be effective. Yeah. And he, he also just brings a different element that this Leafs team just sorely miss. He's got a, you know, he's got the big size, but he's also got the tenacity and, you know, Darnell Nurse was giving them fits at the end of the game, trying to impose his will physically. And Bogosian just locks him up and goes, nah, this ain't happening. Not, not having any of it. No, it, no, you're right. It's a swagger that that this team has. You know, guys aren't afraid to be a little bit chippy. I know that it's been talked about how this Leafs team's getting out hit constantly, but it's it's one thing to get out hit, but it's another thing to not to have a little bit of pushback. I think you're starting to see a little bit more of a pushback that wasn't happening earlier this year. Then that's why I think things are getting things have gone to the point that they have with this Leafs team. Right. And I, I think like you, you, there's a misconception about, and it's funny because this is exactly what Kyle Dubas talked about in the off season. And there's a misconception about the way that heavy hockey is played. You know, it's not just going out there hitting and fighting, right? Like it's, it's, it's going out there, grinding down your opponent, you know, having good, strong possession in the offensive zone, cycling, you know, having some strong cycling shifts, being hard on pucks, going into the court. Like there's a different, way to play heavy than just dropping the mitts and going for the, you know, going for your licks every time. And I think that's what we're seeing out of this team. They're playing an effective style of a heavy game and it's really working. Like it's really working. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's been rather uh, Im- terrible of us to have not brought up Michael Hutchinson yet in this conversation. Oh, definitely. Yep. The guy coming off of a 31-save shutout of the Edmonton Oilers. The, I think the biggest surprise of that, to be quite honest with you, is the fact that that was his sixth shutout of his NHL career. The, like, the way that we talk about Michael Hutchinson in Leafland is if this guy does not deserve to have an NHL career. And I feel so sorry for that because this year, and, and I mean, based on what he did last year with the Leafs, I, you know, it's kind of warranted. I get it. But he's been a different goalie this year. He's actually given the Leafs a chance to win each and every time that he's been out on the ice. And I think that the biggest factor is that team defense that we talked about. He's getting a lot more help. The schedule is certainly helping him. You know, it's not just purely night two on a back-to-back where the team's uh, tired out in front of him. Like, he's actually getting a stretch of games here that, you know, are conducive to him having a chance to win them, and he's doing it. He's collected, what, three out of four wins? Yeah. Yeah, so three three out of four wins this year. So, I mean, Hutchinson's, he's been been fantastic. Uh, And in the third, the 
the Oilers were really coming on. Like they were, they were coming on in the third period. They really wanted to break that donut and Hutch was, was right there to make all the stops. I thought that he was fantastic last night. You know, uh, as you said, Leafs fans have had a, a certain way of characterizing certain players as they should never give another NHL slot uh, shot. Hutchinson was one. Martin Marincin is another, but maybe Martin Marincin <laughs> a little more fairly because he's got a little bit more of a body of work in the NHL than Hutchinson. But when they at least brought him back, there was this panic going around like, oh, you know, like what, what, what's going on here? Why are they bringing him back? And some were like, well, it's just for expansion draft purposes. He likely won't play. And then you see uh, Aaron Dell get claimed, and you're like, oh, it's a little bit close to now having Hutchinson as yeah, a potential option. And then when one injury away from being on this roster, and what was it? No more than a few days after, after Dell gets claimed, Campbell goes out with an injury. Yeah. So then Cam- Hutch is your number two. Yeah, so then Hutchinson's your number two, and like, oh, you know, maybe Freddie can keep things going until Campbell gets back, and then Anderson gets hurt, and you're like, ooh, uh, Hutchinson now has to come in. And that first game against Ottawa, um, I think the credit goes to the Leafs in realizing that there's a little bit of there was a little bit of a hesitancy with Hutchinson and that, and people like, oh, you know, I, they're really gonna have to score a lot of goals. I mean, and they did. But after that, he's proven that he's uh, a little bit, has a lot more confidence than he had last year. You know, he he got set, shipped over to Colorado after the Campbell trade, and I think that did him some good, honestly, to be in an organization that had the confidence in the whole team front. No, he got into those three playoff games, and he didn't play terribly. I no. thought he was pretty good in those games. He gave Colorado a chance. Yeah, he won games, like one playoff he, game. He won two playoff games. That was, I think he matched Freddie's that that what Frederick Anderson had last year. Like, well, was that know, not what was that not what Sheldon Keefe said? Like when they said that Hutchinson was going to be like the backup goalie or whatever when Campbell went down. Like, how comfortable do you feel, you know, putting Hutchinson in net if if the time comes? And his response was, well, I mean, he was the only one who was winning playoff games last year in the second yeah. round. So, you know, he's, he's clearly an NHL goalie. And, and he's come out and he's proven it. Again, I think that we look at Hutchinson with a lens that um, is more negative than it should be based on his yes. play last year. Again, somewhat warranted because he was not good last year. He wasn't given a fair shake, but he also didn't give us uh, a reason to think that he was actually a good goalie deep yeah. down. But he's played, he's played really well so far this season. Um, 31 saves in a 3-0 shutout win for the Oilers. Uh, really quickly, a couple other things maybe that, uh, that stuck out to you last night. I mean, that third line, uh, you kind of mentioned earlier. But, I mean, th- this, is, this is a line that I think Sheldon Keefe has continually tried to find the right mix. And I think he's found it right now. Um, I mean, granted, it's only been a few games, but I mean, you like the way that they play because they're, it's not just the defensive side of the game, which I think, you know, Hyman, I think Hyman has really helped that. It's the offense. Zach Hyman with the goal, that goal last night, like that was just a great play from that line. And that's, that's an important thing. That's what you need if you want to be a successful team in the playoffs is you need, you know, one through four, you got to get all those lines going somehow. And there's guys that are contributing on this team that I wouldn't have expected. I wasn't a big Pierre Engvall guy because uh, I felt like he, you know, for his size and his skating, there was a little bit more that he, to his game that he wasn't giving. And Grant, now I give him credit. He's showing it now. And even a guy like Travis Boyd, you know, at one point he was scoring quite a bit and you're like, where did this guy come from? Yeah, yeah. And I think it just speaks to, um, again, as we said, it's a mentality of, you know, a bunch of guys that got to contribute contribute on this team. It's not just Marner Matthews. And they're really starting to get away from that identity of relying too much on the stars and, you know, really putting some, shedding some light on the supporting cast. Yeah, they're they're winning in different ways. You know, they don't need Matthews to go out there, Matthews and Marner to compile for, 
you know, seven, eight points on the night and both end up with their cookies. You know, they can go out there and grind out a three nothing win where the third line gets a goal. They get a goal from the back end and uh, away they go. You know, Willie ends up getting one, you know, kind of softy on the back. Realistically, though, like when you look at all three of those goals, outside of the Hyman one, like the other two are pretty soft. <laughs> like, yep. you know, I, I think Koskinen just didn't have his A game last night. So it's not like the Leafs, uh, the Leafs were putting on a show, but, you know, they were getting their goals. They were going to the net. And, and, and getting their goals, you know, getting bodies in front, screening Koskinen. Um, he wasn't able to 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 kind of collect himself. And all of a sudden, Leafs are up 3 nothing in the first. They make a goalie change, and oh, that was the score through the end of the second and, the, and then at the end of the game again. So, you know, a big win by the Leafs, I thought. Uh, and to do it without your, your top gun in Austin Matthews, I think, uh, definitely says something. And you know, you talked about this third line, Engvall, McKayev, and Hyman. And the question is, like, will this stick? You know, when Matthews comes back, is that going to stick? And they're, they're, it, it's possible because, you know, I, I think it's there's that spot on the second line next to Tavares that Kerfoot could easily move into when, uh, you know, when Matthews he gets back. And then all of a sudden, you still have that third line of Engvall, Mikheyev, and Hyman. And you still have that grinded-out line that Sheldon Keefe has wanted on that third line, a true matchup shutdown line, who also can contribute a little bit of offense. So I'd be curious to see if, if this line can stick once you know this whole team's healthy. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if, if if they do give this line a, a little bit of a go, because I, I did thought that they played really well last night. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's get to our three stars of the night, and then we're going to play a little bit of cosine, no sign. So we'll be right back right here on the Lockdown Lease Podcast. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Joining me is Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer with the NHLPA. Uh, Leafs with a massive 3 nothing win. It really was a, a nice win for them. They're now 2-0 and against the Oilers on this Western road trip. They've got one more game to go on Wednesday. But before we get to that, let's go through our three stars of last night's game. And we'll start with you, Dave. Who was your third star of the game? My third star of the game, I'm going to give it to Morgan Riley. He's, he's taken a lot of flack early in the season, and gratefully so. I don't think his play was really, you know, for your number one defenseman, I think they needed more not just offensively, but defensively, you know, I think TJ Brody was carrying a lot of the slack for him. And last night, I think he was, he looked, he was aggressive. You know, he gets the goal, albeit it was kind of a weird, you know, deflection off nurse, but they all count. And he's, he's looked, he looked really good last night. I think that was probably his best game I've seen him play this year. So he's definitely deserving of a, of a star. I, I agree. He's definitely deserving of a star. He's actually my second star, and I'll, I'll get to him in a moment. But my third star was uh, William Nylander, extending his goal streak to, to, what, three games in a row now. Um, I think he's playing really well. He's playing some inspired hockey right now. Uh, or, sorry, let's not call him Willie Nylander. Let's call him Willie Styles. All right, our man Willie Styles playing, uh, playing some really good oh, hockey. Man. Ended up uh, with a goal and an assist, so two-point effort. And he's just playing. He's playing the way that we expect a Nylander to play, right? He was going. He was in a little bit of a slump. 
there was that article a couple of weeks ago written about him by Steve Simmons. And really kind of since then, it's, it's motivated him a little bit to, to pick it up. It's motivated him to, to go to the dirty areas where he needs to score and it's turning into production. So, you know, Nylander got to give him his love, got to give him his props. He's playing exceptional hockey right now. Um, really on a heater. So Willie Styles is my third star of the game. And I already mentioned it, so I guess I'll just keep her going. But Morgan Riley was my second star. Uh, like you said, he, he he had a really good game last year. Possibly the best game, I think, that Riley's had all season. It was a great effort kind of all around. Like him and, and Brody really did a good job shutting down uh, the McDavid line when they were out there, the dry settle line when they were out there. Um, just limited a lot of, of chances. There wasn't much in terms of, you know, high danger on, on Hutchinson last night, and they did a good job of limiting things. They got 31 shots in total, but a lot of them were kind of outside, weak cupcake shots, um, easy enough for, for Hutchinson to stop. There was a couple of, couple of high danger, a couple of good chances, but, you know, Riley, I thought, had a really good game, a great pass on that Hyman goal, just kind of feeding him back door and allowing him to get that one. Uh, but yeah, Morgan Riley, I thought really good game. Uh, and was my second star of the night. Who was your second star? My second star was Zach Hyman. Uh, you know, another game with another goal. I mean, after Saturday, we put on the, you know, me and McDavid put on the brakes a little bit with that goal he had. Um, as we said with the third line, it's, you know, it's good when they're doing the right things defensively, but you score, it's a, it's almost like a bonus. And that play was just incredible. And he's, it's funny because he's proven to be the offensive punch of that line when you think it's yeah. more of a McKayev. Um, You know, I think Hyman, I mean, McKayev's going to get his there. chances. He's got, he's going to get two or three breakaways yeah. a game. Whether or not he, he puts it away, <laughs> well, far less likely than, than he does, right? Like, yeah. the guy's frustrating. He oh, gets, my God. He's, he's, so he gets bad. so many opportunities. So many opportunities. If he had any finish in him, like, even if his mother's grandfather had, a, like, an eighth of finish in him, he would be able to score more goals. But he's just pure Russian. And he's just you know, not scoring on these opportunities. You know, he reminds me of, he reminds me of when Michael ba- Grabner was on the Leafs and the guy would get a million Great breakaways game. a game. And you're just like, at some point, if he could bury half of his chances, oh my God. He'd have a 25 th- goal season. Exactly. And I think that Hyman th- has elevated that third line. It's really any line you put Hyman on, they, use, they find success. Right. And I think he's found comfort on that third line because he's not going up against the top competition with I mean sometimes he'll have to match up against another team's top line and he's fine with that and you and other teams Zach Hyman is not a third line player he's a, he's he's a top six and last night he's shown that there's a little more offensive flair to his game than maybe some people give him credit for yeah uh first star of the game Gotta give it to Michael Hutchinson, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, 31 saves. Uh, really, in the third period when the Oilers were pressing, outshot 14 to eight, and and Hutch was there to to make the stops. Not only because he wanted to get the win, but he wanted to make sure he got that shutout, and he did. And I can't believe how many times they mentioned the word shutout on the uh, streak. I mean. I don't know how, you know, I, I'm not the most superstitious guy, but I do find it funny when people talk about it on a broadcast and it's like, just don't do it until it's it's done and it's in the books. But there was like two minutes left in the game and they're like, oh yeah, he's looking for his sixth shutout of his career, blah, blah, blah. It's like McDavid's on the ice. Like this guy can go out there and score three goals in the next two minutes. You're talking about shutouts. Like this is not the team to be discussing that against no. when you got a talent like that who could change the game in a second with one shot of the puck. You know, he gets it from his end and just rushes to the other side and scores. But no, didn't happen last night. Hutchie, uh, fantastic. Uh, and, and after the game, Morgan Riley came out and he said that, uh, you know, Soupy and Hutchie were, have been great for them the past couple of days with Anderson on the mend. And it's true, man. They've, they've, they've been fantastic. This is the first time that the Leafs have shut out 
have shutouts in back-to-back games, I think, since the Belfour era. And it was the first time they had done it against the same team. I think they said since, what, 1954 or something like that? Like, yeah. it was insane. And, and to do it against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, two of the most offensively gifted players in the world, um, just speaks to how much this team is buying in, how much they're helping their goaltending, how much the goaltending is, is you know, playing at a high level. And Michael Hutchinson was the first star last night, for sure. Yeah, and the other thing about Hudson too is the saves he was making. There's, there's he, he's playing with a little more calmness to his game. He's not scrambling as much. I think mean, last night it, I, there was never a point in that game where I'm just I was nervous for him. Right, like that's that's he wasn't the thing moving. You, you know, in his crease too much. He was just kind of staying square to the puck and yeah, exactly, totally. Like, like that's what you need from your backup. You you know. If he's called upon, you just have to give your team confidence that you can get the win. I think what Riley said, I think, really holds true to the whole locker room now. More so than I think it, it ever has been because we've known how this team, you know, the panic it was to go get Jack Campbell last year. Well, you don't have Anderson. You don't have Campbell. You're going with your third goalie, and that same belief is there. And I think that, uh, that Hutchinson has definitely earned it after last night's uh, game. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Uh, All right, so those are our three stars of the game. We'll take one more quick break, and when we get back, we'll play some cosine, no sign. But before we do, let's hear about betonline.ag. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. And just a reminder, this is a daily Leafs podcast, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and get that daily coverage of your Toronto Maple Leafs, your team, every day. All right, joined here, as always, uh, or once again, by Dave Morisuti. Uh, I am Mike DiStefano. Uh, Leafs with a with a three nothing win over the Edmonton Oilers, an impressive three nothing win, and uh, they got one more game coming up on Wednesday, and we'll tee that up for you guys tomorrow. So make sure that you know you do come back and listen to us tomorrow. Uh, but for now, let's play some cosine no sign. I haven't played in a while, actually. It's it's been a few weeks. Actually, it might maybe even been like an entire month since I played this. Um, but it's one of my favorite segments and favorite games I like to play. On the show, for those who are new, who haven't uh, heard it before, basically, uh, I'm going to make a statement, and then Dave is either going to co-sign my statement or no-sign my statement. Co-sign meaning he agrees, co- uh, no-sign meaning he disagrees. So we both got three that we're going to go over, and then we're going to state our case as to why we co-sign or no-sign. And Dave, you are the guest. I will let you go first. All right. I, I do miss playing close side, no side, so I'm happy to do this. Uh, so let's let's go with the spicy one to start off. Does Kyle, Ju- Kyle Dubas win GM of the year? Ooh, uh, Kyle Dubas. You know what? I think he would. Like, if this team ends up finishing uh, atop of the division, which I think they will, and, and obviously this is not uh, as good, Deep as a division, I think, as we thought. I think the Leafs are are going to be the clear-cut favorites pretty much any given night. I mean, no Matthews, no Hutchinson. They still shut out the second-best team in the division like in back-to-back games. So um, I I do, and because I think that they're probably going to win this division and probably going to win a lot of games, which means they could potentially even win the President's Trophy. And if the, they win the President's Trophy – I think for sure, 100%, um, Kyle Dubas should win the uh, the GM of the Year award. So I'm, I'm going to co-sign that one. Yeah. Uh, do you have oh, something to say? I was just going to say the other thing, too, is as we said, is 
he's brought he's made the moves that other GMs probably thought he wouldn't make. He brings in guys with a little bit of a different like different playing style than yeah. we have seen from him in the past. And I think and this is you know when you look at how GMs vote, they usually vote for the veteran guy or the guy that you know makes those extra moves to take put his team over the top. I mean, Kyle Dubas is doing exactly that. So if Kyle Dubas does not win, there's something rotten going on with the voting for GM of the year. Well, I think it also says something like to the fact that Kyle Dubas um, really understands that uh, there's more than just being an offensive dynamo and the moves that he made this offseason, going out and getting guys like Thornton, guys like Simmons, guys like Bogosian, um, really does kind of like I think he had some sort of like humble and, and humility over the way that the Leafs have performed over the past couple of years with his superstars playing the way that he seemingly thought was going to win. Like he's kind of reverted his course and realized that they need, they needed an extra, a different element in this team. And he has addressed that. Like he, he finally came to the realization of this and addressed that. And it's, it's been fantastic for this team so far. All right. My first question for you, Dave, Mitch Marner is the Leafs' true MVP. Ooh. I know because Austin Matthews was getting that talk for the longest time. The Leafs are dating back to, I think last year it was, 11-2 when Matthews is not in the lineup. I am going to – Perfect 3-0 and this season. So, so we're saying the Leafs MVP. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign on that one. And the reason I'm gonna sign on that one is because, as you said, the way that they're playing without Matthews is sort of like when Drysaddle was continuing his strong run without McDavid last year. So you could make the case for Marner as well. And really, Marner's being asked to prop up John Tavares in a little bit of a way because Tavares struggled without Marner this year after the switch and Marner hasn't missed a beat. This is probably the best Mitch Marner we have seen in a Leafs uniform. So I'm going to sign on that one. All right. All right. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to 100% uh, sign, you know, co-sign this one. I, I just like the way that Matthews is playing this year, I, you know, he's scoring goals at will, it seems like, and apparently was doing it with an injured wrist as well, which is wild to think Ridiculous. about. Um, the way that he's playing in all three zones and, and specifically the way that he's committed to, to playing a complete 200 foot game. I think although the, the Leafs are, are winning games without him, like we've said, they're winning games because they're playing a different way. It's not so much that Mitch Marner is taking over as like this dynamite offensive uh, firepower type of player like Dreisaitl did when McDavid went down. They're just playing a lot differently. They're playing more safe. They're playing more reserved. And uh, they're winning games that way. But I wouldn't say it's because Mitch Marner has taken his game to another level when Matthews goes down, um, kind of like Dreisaitl did. Marner's just being him. He's doing him his thing. Like Marner's a great player. And, and I think there was a conversation of whether or not he should be considered amongst one of the MVP candidates anyways, like as a top potential top 10 top five player in the league alongside Austin Matthews. But when it comes to the Leafs, like true, who's the most valuable player, I, I still think I would lean, uh, lean with big Tony. All right, um, your second question. So my second question, this is a – okay, we'll go with the Leafs one. I'll save the non-Leafs one for the last one. So the Leafs will win the North Division by 10 or more points. Ooh, 10 or more points. Do you... They're up eight right okay, now. Okay, so they're up eight now? Yes. 
Honestly, man, if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said, uh, no, I think that, you know, there could be a couple injuries. They could hit the, you know, go slide on some ice a little bit and kind of things could go off the rails for a couple of weeks. Anderson goes down for a few weeks and they got to go to Hutchinson and Campbell, blah, blah, blah. But this has all happened and they've persevered through it and they're still winning games and they are the clear cut number one best team in this division they're already up eight points yeah i think that they dummy that number and certainly will be the north division crowns the kings of the north by at least 10 points by season's end cosign vehemently cosign i can't disagree on that one (laughs) all right number two jimmy vc will not be in this lineup when fully healthy I will sign on that one because we've already seen sort of the he's already been demoted to the fourth line. There was a thought that if uh, Austin Matthews was healthy and back in the lineup, he would have VC was going to be the one that was going to be out. And with Wayne Simmons coming back too, they got to be, they got to find room. They got to find room for both Matthews and Simmons and VC and VC is, is the clear cut easy one to to move out and it's unfortunate because you know he's popped around to doing you know he's moved around so much in the lineup it's it's always tough for a guy who's coming to a new team to really establish himself but he's also made some boneheaded plays that i'm just like get this guy off the ice unfortunately so (laughs) um it's unfortunate for him but i mean if he could stick around and avoid getting you know thrown down on waivers I don't think he'll complain as long as he can stick around. What do you think? Like, what do you think is the Leafs ideal lineup at this point when everybody is healthy? So Matthews comes back in and Simmons comes back in. Who are the two guys that end up coming out? Like, I think Jimmy VC is to me a a clear and obvious choice as, as one of those guys. But who's the second one? Like, do you take out Barabanov? He's been playing really well, I think, in his second go around here with the club the last few games. I've, I've been I've been liking his game uh, quite a bit actually. But then you talked about Boyd earlier, and 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 you know, do you take Boyd out of the lineup? I thought that he's played really well. Or is it Jason Spezza that finds himself out of the lineup? Like, who who is that second guy who you've got to take out? And look, these are good problems to have, right? Yeah. Like, these are good problems to have when you are trying to justify taking or trying to justify keeping as many players in the lineup as possible. Um, you know, I, I just, I just look at this team's depth at this point and the way that everyone's playing, the team is buying in and it's like, man, I, I wish that we could just have 13 forwards out on the ice. Cause I don't think there's two guys who I would want to take out of the lineup right now. I think right now. Yeah. It's hard, kind of hard to justify taking out some guys, but the thing is, like Barabanov got moved up to that top six, and when you we've seen him in a in a you know, on the fourth line, he's just not the same player. Well, so, just in a to, way, to, to, to kind of play devil's advocate on that point, I, we saw him um, really early in the season. There was no preseason. It's his first go around here in North America on a different ice level. Uh, his comfort level with the team, with his teammates, with 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 maybe living in Canada, uh, his personal you know comfort level possibly not as high as as it is right now, and he just looked uncomfortable. And I think now he's he's playing a much better style game, um, and he's learning how to play an NHL game, and he's playing with much more tenacity. Uh, than he was before whether or not that's because he's on the second or fourth line not too sure but I think that this second go around he's been by far a much better player on the ice uh, than he was the the first time so I don't know if it's fair to say we saw him on the fourth line it didn't work I think it was just too early to judge yeah no I know I totally get that and I think when you look at the Leafs uh, and the depth that they have, it's also key that they're able to contribute in multiple spots. So I think you look at like a Travis boy, he's been, 
you know, maybe some will say that he's an easy guy to sit. I mean, Spets is going to get his days off as well. But I think they're going to just manage it that way that they'll they'll give certain guys nights off. It just depends on is Wayne Simmons going to go right back to that top six or does Sheldon keep the side? You know what? Maybe the fourth line can use Wayne Simmons down there. I think that's that'll be the key. I don't know if he does go back into that top six because if we're we're looking at you know the lineup now, the way that it would look, I think you probably like Mitch Marner alongside Matthews and Joe Thornton would be your top line, and then you'll have Nylander, Tavares, and then it looks like you could move Kerfoot onto that wing um, to be on the second line, and then if you want to have Pierre Engvall as your third line center to keep that Engvall Hyman and Mikheyev line together on the third line. And then on the fourth line, you know, you could do a, a Barabanov, Spezza, and Wayne Simmons if you want, or, you know, toss in a, a Travis Boyd, I guess. But, you know, I think that would – seems like the, the lineups that when completely healthy, I would give a try to. I, I've, I've liked Kerfoot a lot more when he's playing with better players. So I, I feel like if he gets moved up into the lineup, it really does help his overall game. No, I, get, I, I, I agree with that one, yeah. Uh, all right, your third one. All right, my third one is a non-Leafs one, and it's kind of been one that's been talked about the last few days. But, okay, uh, John Tortorella stays with the Columbus Blue Jackets until the end of the season. Cosign. Cosign. I'm going to co-sign it. Um, a, I think that they 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 should be able to turn it around. And B, I think he's got a long leash there. Uh, you, you know, the fact that they went through the whole thing with Dubois, and they seemingly chose the coach over Dubois, who was their franchise player, although he wanted out, so maybe that's not fair to say, but. Still, they, they gave him carte blanche to do whatever. They allowed him to sit him and, and and not play that entire game. Like, what he played three minutes of that entire game? And then they did this. He did the exact same thing to Patrick Line, like his second game with Columbus. So this guy's got a lot of power over there, and he can kind of do whatever he wants or whatever he sees fit for the success of this hockey club. So I think that he has quite a long leash over in Columbus. Um, he's had a lot of success with them over the last few years. But if anything else, I think the fact that the pandemic could also save him, Columbus is not a big market. And paying two coaches is probably not something that they're going to be looking to do when you know most clubs are, are bleeding cash at this point. So going out and, and getting someone to, to replace him midseason, probably not in the cards uh, financially, something that the owner would probably not be willing to sign off on. He'll say, you know, get through the year and then we could talk then. Um, but so I think because of those reasons, I'm going to no sign it and say that he sticks around uh, at least through to the end of this year's season. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Kekalainen has made it a point in backing up Tortorella, I mean, especially with, you know, the way things have gone with the whole Dubois situation and, and you know, um, they, he believes in Tortorella's ability to coach up a team that, frankly, doesn't have that much talent. Uh, you know, they've he's gotten quite a lot out of the team, so I think they're going to stay patient with it. This is kind of, they're kind of, I never really thought Columbus was going to do much after what happened a few years ago, losing Panarin and Bobrovsky, and they've continued to be a competitive team and hard team to play against. So, I, yeah, Tortorella will get to the end of the year, and I think Kekalina is just going to keep riding it until something until the team truly collapses. And I don't think we're at that point yet, but something worth uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, my third question to you. Zach Hyman should be prioritized over Freddie Anderson this summer in free agency. I'm going to co-sign that one. And because, I mean, look, a lot of, some people will say that you shouldn't pay Zach Hyman a lot. And I think, you know, 
I think last year, I think last year when he had that uh, outpouring of goals, people were maybe just overvaluing overvaluing him a little bit, but you can't devalue him either. You know, he's he's a guy that everyone on the team says is kind of the engine and keeps this team going. I actually think if he's out of the lineup, you get a little more nervous than uh, certain other guys because Hyman is just the guy that, that kind of pushes things forward for this team. And the other thing with, like, with with Anderson, I mean, look, Freddie has been, has gotten this team to the playoffs every year he's been on the team, but they haven't gone past round one. And I'm not I'm not saying that he's not the goalie to get them for, forward, but there are way teams have found ways to make it work with two goalies and maybe pay a little bit less. I'm not necessarily on board with having to pay Anderson more than what he's getting paid. And if that's what he's looking for and he's a free agent, he has every right to ask for it with given the current cap structure of the Leafs. I don't know if you can justify paying more when you have Campbell and actually you still have Hutchinson uh, under contract. You know, you, you may consider, is this where you find some savings on your roster so you can make sure you keep this core together? And that was that was going to be the question I was going to ask you. In order to get Hyman signed at probably the the number hit that it would take, like I think this isn't he's making what like just over two. I think he's making two and a half million right now. I think that number would probably have to grow to at least four and a half million. And in order to really get that done, there's going to have to be some movement here. Is one of those movements and one of those cap savings like you said that you make is let Freddie walk and kind of roll with a tandem and, and and maybe see if if Jack Campbell could be your number one guy has he shown you enough where you say he might be able to to have a run here as the Leafs number one guy or at least the the top guy within a tandem I don't know if Michael Hutchinson is a guy that that no. you want to be in a tandem with maybe you go elsewhere you get another goaltender but you know is is that where you would be looking at if it comes down to it, where you can only sign one of these guys to an extension, would it be the fact that you would rather go with Hyman in this lineup and then some sort of tandem in net? And has the last couple of games, the fact that this team is still winning without Anderson kind of change your mind a little bit on this conversation? I think it has to. I think when you consider a, a player's value is truly determined when how the team plays without them. Right now, we haven't. There hasn't. Uh, Anderson's missed the last four games. The Leafs have won three of them, and almost. In, I mean, the only one they haven't won convincingly was the one against Calgary, where they won in overtime, and goaltending was a reason why they won that game in overtime, and. Again, I, 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 I'm not saying that, you know, Anderson doesn't deserve his opportunity to be the starter, but he's also had a good run to show that he can get this team over the next, over, you know, past the first round of the playoffs. That's my, that's my thing for him. If he's not able to get this team, and he'll get every opportunity, I guarantee the Leafs will give him that opportunity because they have to see if he can do it. If he can't get this team out of the first round, I think you definitely have to look elsewhere. Uh, maybe you bring in another goalie that's, I mean, look, I, I, I've seen teams get creative. I don't think you're going to do like what Vegas is doing and spend a combined $10 million on their goalies. I mean, that was more so just so they can get Robin Leonard. And look how Marc-Andre Fleury is playing. When you kind of push a guy a little bit to playing, you know, there's another guy that can take your job. I think everyone it wasn't talked about enough when they brought in Campbell that maybe he can push Freddie a little bit. And I think, I think it's, it holds true. No goalie should ever really feel as secure because ultimately their job is to win. Their job is to stop, you know, give their team the best chance to win. And there's a lot of times where Freddie has done it. And there's times where Freddie hasn't done it. So if I'm Kyle Dubas and company, you're taking, you're you're taking the chance right now just to see how this team plays without him, and you you evaluate each position like you do every year, and you you come up with what's the best thing for the team, and really the best thing for the team is, you know, consider if there's a way that you can make it work where 
you go and you get a one B guy maybe or one A one B sort of situation because uh, you have to you have to find a way to not only give yourself the best production at that position but doing so without overinflating your cost as well. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally agree with you on that one. Um, all right, I think uh, I think that'll do it. We did. Yeah, we did three. We did all three of yours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good. Because funny enough, last time I actually did uh, cosine no sign, I screwed up and 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 I forgot to do like the other person's third. And then after the show, they're like, "Yeah, I only did two of mine, but it's all good." And I'm like, "Oh, dude, why don't you cut me off and let me know that you did? You needed one more to go." But anyways, glad that uh, glad that I didn't make that mistake again. Uh, but yeah, that is cosine no sign. Hope you guys enjoyed that segment. Uh, always usually brings some some really good conversations to the table. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing for daily Leafs content. You can follow me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck or follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And also follow Dave. Dave, let them know uh, where they can find you and what you got coming up soon. Uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter, D underscore Morisuti, two S's, two T's. Uh, I'm going to continue working on some live uh, live streams for Leaf Games with just some friends. We had Andrew Berkshire on our last uh, live stream, and you know he's a, he's a guy that brings some quality, quality insights. So that's uh, something I, I'm doing. Uh, the NHLPA, I wrote about, you know, Zuccarello and his, his uh, return to the wild lineup and the work he's doing out in Norway. Uh, a very, very interesting story there as well. So, yeah, just keep a look out there on my social channels. I'll always have people uh, uh, caught up on what I'm doing there. Good stuff. Definitely go check that out. That Zuccarello story sounds really interesting. And, yeah, he's having a heck of a start to the season. he got, what, eight points in eight games to start the year? So, He's, uh, he's playing really well right now for the Wild, and, and the Wild are playing really well as a team. So uh, for those, I know we usually only talk about what's going on in the Canadian division. I really should kind of do a deep dive on what's going on down south uh, because there's still quite a bit of hockey being played down there. But, um, yeah, until then, though, uh, tomorrow uh, we're going to be doing a preview for the third and final game of this Leafs-Oilers series, so make sure – that you come back and listen to the podcast once again tomorrow for all that information. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.